This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 275. Godly Ambition Chuck Colson was a self-made man. As a student, he arrogantly turned down a scholarship to Harvard. He joined the Marines. He set up his own law firm and entered politics. By the age of 40, he had become one of President Nixon's closest advisers. Later, he described himself as a young, ambitious, political kingmaker. He was known as Nixon's hatchet man. He pleaded guilty to his part in the Watergate cover-up scandal and was sent to prison. By then, he had encountered Jesus. When he left the court after hearing the sentence, he said, What happened in court today was the court's will and the Lord's will. I have committed my life to Jesus Christ and I can work for him in prison as well as out. Colson did just that. After his release, he set up prison fellowship and became directly or indirectly responsible for leading thousands to Christ. I once heard him say, I was ambitious and I am ambitious today, but I hope it's not for Chuck Colson, although I struggle with that quite a lot as a matter of fact, but I am ambitious for Christ. Ambition has been defined as the desire to succeed There are ultimately only two controlling ambitions to which all others may be reduced. One is our own glory. The other is God's glory. From Psalm 116 I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. But you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Be ambitious about your relationship with God. Make your relationship with God your number one priority. Like the psalmist, declare that your ambition is to walk before the Lord. I'm striding in the presence of God. Make sure that your life is centred on a love relationship with God. This is the way to find rest for your soul. This relationship is founded on the many ways in which we experience God's help. Like the psalmist, I remember how God heard my cry for mercy, how when I was in great need, he saved me, how God has been good to me, and how God delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. This is then the basis of our ambition to walk before the Lord. Lord, I love you. I want to make it my ambition today and for the rest of my life to walk before you in the land of the living. New Testament from Philippians 3 and 4 If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, Faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ.
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Be ambitious for Christ. Sometimes Christians wonder whether it's right to be ambitious. They associate ambition with pride and think that humility means not being ambitious. However, Paul was fiercely ambitious. Before he was a Christian, Paul had been ambitious in his zeal for Judaism, which led to a desire to persecute the church. After his conversion, he did not lose his ambitious nature, but its direction changed. If anything, he was even more ambitious. He describes himself in this passage as being like an athlete, desperate to win a race. Paul contrasts his great ambition for Jesus with two wrong types of ambition. The first is his own ambition before he was a Christian. He describes how he put his confidence in the flesh, outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances, trusting in the different marks of his old religion. But as the great theologian Karl Barth once said, Jesus Christ came to destroy human religion. God wants you to be confident, but not in the flesh. Rather, your confidence should be in God alone, his love and provision. Paul's religious ambition and zeal were misdirected. He ended up persecuting the church. The second wrong type of ambition is the material and earthly focus of so many in the world around us. Their God is their stomach, their appetites, their sensuality, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Paul now had a godly ambition. 
He describes the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and the ambitions that flow from it. Paul realised he could never attain perfection. All his ambitions to attain a righteousness of my own he now regards as rubbish. Like Paul, enjoy the fact that through trust in Christ you too have now received the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. We will never achieve perfection in this life. Our weaknesses keep us dependent on God, leaning on him and on his love and grace. What should your ambition be? First, know Christ intimately. Paul's ambition was to know Christ. The Greek word for to know means far more than intellectual knowledge, knowing things about something. Instead, it is personal knowledge. Like Paul, make your ambition not just to know about Christ, but to know him more intimately. Second, experience Christ's resurrection power. Paul describes what this intimate relationship with Christ looks like. It means to know the power of his resurrection, not just as a past event in history, but as a dynamic and exhilarating power at work in your life. The Spirit of God brings this resurrection power to your life. By the power of his death and resurrection, Jesus disarmed Satan, broke the hold of sin and defeated death. This power is available to you to enable you to live a holy life and to minister to others with his resurrection power. Make it your ambition to know this power more and more. Third, partner in Christ's suffering. For Paul, knowing Christ involves the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He sees suffering as an inevitable part of knowing Christ. It's not a penalty, but a privilege. The suffering and death of Jesus is different from ours in that he died for our sins to save us from what we deserve. You will never suffer in exactly the way he did, but sometimes you will suffer for your godly ambition. This suffering is the practical result of our Christian life. For some, this will mean severe persecution. For all of us, it will include all the pangs and afflictions in the struggle against sin, either within or without. It is at these moments of suffering that we experience fellowship with Christ. Make that fellowship your ambition, whatever the cost. Fourth, know your destination. Knowing Christ means sharing his destiny, somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. When Paul says somehow, he's not doubting this hope, but acknowledging that this is a wonderful mystery. Jackie Pullinger says that God gave her resurrection eyes. She says, only Jesus opens eyes. For all who believe in the resurrection of the dead know their destination is a place of comfort, a better country, a heavenly city. Paul says that he is not there yet, but it is his aim and ambition. I've got my eyes on the goal. Don't focus on the past, how far you've fallen, your failures or even your successes. Rather, forgetting what lies behind. Keep focused on Jesus. Be single-minded, press forward and respond to his call. Lord, help me to get my ambitions right. Help me to focus my life on the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Old Testament from Jeremiah 4 and 5. Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Because the people have spoken these words, I will make my words in your mouth a fire, and these people the wood it consumes. 
be ambitious to speak God's words. The Lord speaks through Jeremiah and says, My people are fools, they do not know me. They are skilled at doing evil. They know not how to do good. He warns that judgment is coming because the people have focused their ambitions in the wrong direction. Jeremiah thinks that surely the leaders will know the right way. So I'll go to the leaders and speak to them. Surely they know the way of the Lord, the requirement of their God. But they, like the people, refused to repent. Their ambitions were focused on the false gods of money, sex and power. Only God can satisfy our deepest needs. God says to them, I supplied all their needs, yet they committed adultery and thronged to the houses of prostitutes. They were well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for another man's wife. He goes on to say that their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Although they were rich and powerful, they did not care for the poor. Right and wrong mean nothing to them. They stand for nothing, stand up for no one, throw orphans to the wolves, exploit the poor. God calls Jeremiah to a new level of powerful speaking. I'm putting my words as fire in your mouth. Now you too can have this experience of speaking God's powerful, life-changing words to those around you. Lord, may the words in my mouth be like fire so that others may come to experience the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Pepper adds, Philippians 3 verse 13 says, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what is ahead. It is important not to be hindered by the past in any way. Either the failures and disappointments or the successes which might make us overconfident. But instead, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus.